Greetings. My name is Louis Molina of the Life Pro Podcast. Today's guest is Sean Segrera. Sean is a fourth generation cattleman and owns Segrera Farms. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. I'm excited. This I've, I've been waiting for this. Well, this, 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 this little is. Uh, I'm ready to go. Yeah. So tell fun. us who who are you? Sean Segrera. Okay. We are from uh, an Angus ranch in Ethel, Louisiana, about 30 miles north of here, 35 miles north of here, and we raise Angus cattle. Um, we breed, uh, we produce, breed, raise Angus cattle. Uh, we, we produce Angus bulls uh, for seed stock operations. We produce Angus heifers for seed stock operations. We produce beef um, to sell to feedlots across the country. Uh, and we sell beef local, essentially farm to table. Okay. So 30 miles down the road, we're raising top 1% Angus genetics, top 1% grading Angus beef in the nation. Wow. 30 miles down the road. So and maybe you, explain sir, that. I don't know what that means. Okay. Let's, let's, I'll explain. Assume, no, I don't mean. Exactly. Yeah. As a consumer, great question. Right, right. So we, we raise the top quality, marbling, premium grade. So what does that mean? There's three grades primarily of beef out there. Uh, the very high-end grades and the finest restaurants served across America is called prime. That's what we raise in Ethel is prime beef. Okay. So, uh, the next grade is something called choice, kind of an average grade, which an average restaurant would serve. And the lower end is, is a select grade, which is kind of lean, very lean, um, style of beef that tends to be not as tender. Uh, not as desirable on the, the high-end restaurant scale. And uh, generally speaking, not as desirable with consumers, although consumers, some consumers prefer lean beef. We raise beef that's marbled, that has marbling in it, and that'll grade in the top percent of U.S. beef supply. And that means uh, it's hard to duplicate. It's very rare. Statistically, it's challenging. Um, so, so you're saying I can't manipulate that by just feeding a certain cow, like a lot more fat content? You can't manipulate it. It's the cow is born with it. Whenever she's born, she's either going to grade prime or she's not. Mm. You can't manipulate the intramuscular fat. The only thing you can manipulate, Luis, is the exterior fat. The exterior fat, the more you feed it, the more it puts fat on the, the exterior of the animal. The intramuscular fat, it's called the fat within. Let's let's look at this. Can we see this right now? This yeah, is a perfect yeah, opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I can help you out. Listen, let's let's show this off a little bit to the camera. Mm -hmm. In fact, yeah, if you want I'm to pull gonna, it to I'm the, gonna uh, put my cigar right here. Mm -hmm. Here you go. You hold that side. And this is a, a great picture. This is what we're talking about. The fat within. It's called intramuscular fat. This turns into just a creamy, juicy part of the steak after it's cooked. The exterior fat is what we call the, the cap. Okay. The cap gets trimmed off. So an animal who's not born with the genetic potential to be prime, it can produce exterior fat, but it can't produce interior oh. fat. Look at this, this next thing. Yeah, see, I can see how the dark cherry yeah. red it is? Wow. It's dark red. It's a different color. Now, air... The air affects the color of the steak, but this steak is really pink 
in red, there's no intramuscular fat there. Yeah, I don't see that marbling. There's no fat. It's, it's not. It doesn't exist. No. So this animal was born this way. There's no way you could feed this animal oh. enough. Okay. Then this is another steak. This is choice. That's really can, red. It's it's really red. Now that has a little bit to do with the oxygen in okay. the air. Okay. Um, the exposure to oxygen. But this is just a. We bought this locally at a local grocery store. Mm-hmm. It's choice. It's a good product, but it's not prime. Yeah. So, this is the very best steak. This is the very worst steak. This is in the middle ground. Okay. And so that kind of gives you and in the audience just a little opportunity to see what we're talking about um there you go look at that so the finest restaurants in america the finest steakhouses in america serve prime that's what we produce on our farm in ethel louisiana 100 percent prime angus beef we uh we don't market to everyone our market is beef enthusiast mm-hmm. just like it's you. similar to our market our it's demographic similar, it's the same yeah, thing yeah it's beef enthusiasts who really appreciate quality premium quality same thing you do here every day at a banaport mm-hmm. you sell yeah. cigars to those gentlemen and ladies who really really enjoy quality yeah. quality yeah. we're in the same boat our mm-hmm. customer is exactly the same customer yeah it really is and that's why, I mean, I was excited to have you on because a lot of cigar people typically like steaks, right? What goes best after a steak dinner is a cigar. Yeah. And it's the same kind of mindset, people who enjoy a very good premium product. Right. right. So, I, yeah. No. So and listen, awesome. thank you to you because two years ago when I started this project, yeah. you yeah. have some of this stuff in your yeah. freezer, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's probably gone by now, but thank yeah. you. You supported us early on. I guess you and I have been knowing each other for about eight years. Yeah, and I uh, I discovered you by accident one day. I walked into your store, and uh, you guys were so friendly. You were so customer oriented. You had a huge smile on your face. I remember it like it was yesterday. You and your brother Otoro, mm-hmm. both friendly. And I didn't experience that in other cigar places around where I'd been before, mm-hmm. and I love that. And so. I've been knowing you eight years yeah, yeah. And, and been coming here and visiting with you guys, and I enjoy really good cigars, and thank you for uh, providing Baton Rouge with that opportunity and that market. No, you're welcome. We need it. Yeah. And thank and, you for and doing we're this. happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just to give the audience a little backstory, between our first transaction in the beef side, right? I think it was in the middle of the lockdowns, right? Right. And you had oh, told yeah. me about this operation, right. and I immediately, like, COVID, there's up no my, doubt. Yeah. And... Uh, I had to get a deep freezer for it because the way you sell it, you, you, so you can't find your product That's in right. retail stores. We don't sell it in stores. Yeah. We sell it at a couple of high-end restaurants mm-hmm. um, or we sell it by the side. We sell half a cow at a time. That's right. If, if somebody desires a half a cow or a quarter of a cow even, we sell large quantities. We don't sell single steaks. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a true form-to-table experience. You want to buy a cow oh. – you want to buy half a cow? Come visit the farm. We'll show you the cattle. It's open you, for, for, oh, for visits. Okay, we, cool. we, we'll t- we give quote tours, um, and you literally, if you desire, you can go pick out the one you want when it's born, oh, cool. yeah. and you can follow its path. You could follow its journey. You could literally go pick one out in our and in, in our feed program where we feed the cattle. Um, 
if, if that's what someone desires. But we always encourage people to come see the farm, see the cattle. We have horses there as well and mules. And we've got a, a large farming operation, yeah. cattle operation. And we want to show people and educate people mm-hmm. about beef. We want it just like you do with cigars. Yeah. You talk blends right. and you talk aging and you talk how long was this this leaf in, in a warehouse and where was it stored and how long, you know, how often they turn those bales. We do the same thing at home with our beef. The construction of a cigar is so similar to what it takes for us to raise that steak right there. Mm-hmm. It takes us three years in planning to create this piece of beef. Three years. Wow. Now, I know a good cigar takes longer than that in many times, yeah. but it takes three years. You see this product in the middle? Yes. That product was rushed. That product's only about 12 months old. That's why that product looks like it does. Yeah. It was rushed. It was brought to market before it was its, its time. Yeah. Same yeah, thing d- with our cattle. We don't bring anything to market until it's time. Yeah. Same thing as your cigars and your cigar makers. Yeah, and like the high-end cigar makers tout that concept right it it takes time we're not going to rush it 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 takes time we're not going to release anything until it's time yeah because when we release it we want it to be fantastic yeah and that's yeah and that's what we try to same thing here with us and Mm -hmm. with our farm there's so many similarities with what you and i do and i love being here and thank you for for inviting me but there's so many similarities what you do here and what i do on my farm yeah small business um serving customers in the community of and, and for those people seeking what we offer. Yeah. So how did you get started in cattle? Did you were you raised as a cattleman or is that the right proper term? A, a yeah. Cattleman, yeah. right? I'm a fourth um, generation. Okay. Goes back to my great great grandfather. Wow. Roots here in Louisiana. South Louisiana, the marshes of South Louisiana, Vermilion Parish is where we hailed from, a little community called Esther. Okay. Um and my family and all my aunts, uncles, my father, we all, everybody raised cattle back then. Uh, they were rice farmers, trappers, um, fished, crawfished, um, alligators, the whole southern Louisiana thing. We did all that. That's how we were raised. Uh, I eventually went to school, and uh, it was a challenging life. It was a challenging existence. And so I went to school and went into the business world. But as soon after college that I landed in Baton Rouge about 32 years ago, 30 years ago, I uh, started raising cattle again. As soon as I got out of college and I landed in Louisiana, I immediately bought more cattle. So I've been doing this all of my life. Yeah. It's second nature to me. It's a passion. You don't, we talk about things sometimes. We don't do things for the money. We say this is not about money. At the end of the day, it does take a margin to pay the bills. Right. But cattle, for 99% of cattlemen, it's not about money. It's about their passion. It's what they do. They love it. Yeah. And you got to love what you do to create that type of product, to do what we do. Because our our hourly rate at the end of the day is minimal. We don't really make that much because of all the hours you put into this mm-hmm. this this business. Um, nights and weekends and pulling calves in the middle of the night. You just, But you do it because you love it. So I've been doing this all my life. It's a passion. I've always had a drive to produce something special. I've always had a drive to produce something different. Um, the next level, maybe. I wanted to be different. I never wanted to produce what maybe everyone else did. I've always had that passion. And now we're putting that effort into this prime Angus beef deal. And uh, 
We buy select genetics was the way we started. Very selective bulls, and we bred very selective cattle to these bulls. And you, you got to make two good ones to be able to produce that. Yeah. So, and that's what I was going to ask you. Like when you uh, started your, I guess, objective of of raising prime Angus. I guess the goal is let, let's say I'm trying to get in the business, right? Mm-hmm. I guess the goal is to have your own stock reproduce itself, right? You don't want to necessarily buy from other uh, suppliers. No, exactly. Or how do you do have that? your own stock to reproduce yeah. itself. But at some point, I mean, if I'm starting from from scratch, I need to find suppliers. How does that work? To start from scratch, you've so got go to the you, auction you, houses. Exactly. To start from scratch, you need to establish a relationship with okay. a known producer mm-hmm. that produces animals that are capable of producing, okay. of yielding this carcass quality. It's all about carcass quality. We knew going in where to find these animals. We knew who to go to to find this quality animal. And there's data that backs up five decades. Five decades of information on these cattle. It's it's historical. So it's like the pedigree. It's They're keeping track of the pedigree. It's documented. The yeah. It's it's um, there are millions and millions and millions of Angus samples in the database Whoa. that DNA has been tested been performed on. We ultrasound. We use ultrasound technology. What? So Luis, when I first started, I said I want to raise a really nice cow. It's about the time you bought one early on. I said I want to raise a really nice steer. I want to feed it out, but I don't want to feed out a crappy one. Mm-hmm. Why am I going to waste six months and feed out an animal a great balanced grain diet to enhance marbling, to enhance tenderness, if it's going to be select, the lowest grade, like the middle steak there? Mm-hmm. Why would I waste my time? So what we did is we used ultrasound technology. We do an ultrasound on between the 12th and the 13th rib to identify exactly how much intramuscular fat there is in that cow. That way we know 100% certain how that thing will grade once it's harvested. Technology. We we now know, this is so cool, when a calf is born, I can send a blood sample in within two weeks, three weeks. I'm going to know when that calf is three weeks old if it's going to be prime, choice, or select. Mm. With 90% accuracy. It's incredible. Yeah. The, the technology has come a long way, and we utilize technology in our farming operation. Uh, we know statistically what the probabilities are. We know I- exactly what our risks are, and uh, the variances are really small. So it's it's fun. It's using technology. It's using the education, uh, mm-hmm. statistics, and finance, and economics, supply and demand that. I gained in school. Yeah, are you following the markets? Are you following the cattle markets? Oh, or not? Is that not really relevant? No, because no, you're more a, of a it's niche. A, it's absolutely I follow the markets. So oh, okay. Because we market other beef as well. Like right now, we know that the supply of beef in the United States is really low right now. The demand is really high right now. We're in an uptick in the market for the next two years. Beef prices are going to be really strong for producers. As a result, the consumers are going to pay more. People price. are going to – Exactly. They're going to have to pay more because beef is in such short supply. The reason beef is in short supply right now is the Midwest over the last several years has been experiencing extreme drought. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I just saw this article. Uh, 
So they've been having to sell off their herds. And beef cattle inventories are are at 60-year lows. What? Our U.S. beef inventory is lower now than I think back in 1950. 1955, I heard one guy say the other day, 1935. In other words, there were more cattle grazing America in 1955 than there are today in 2023. That's crazy. And the demand hasn't necessarily dropped. Oh, absolutely. The demand's increasing. Yeah. Consumers, the public, desires quality. We're in... Americans desire quality, and we see it in all sectors. You see it in the cigar business. Mm -hmm. You see it in the fine bourbon industry. Look at what's happened to bourbon. Yeah, it's crazy. A lot of these, our audience is is bourbon drinkers. Mm -hmm. People pay for premium bourbon. People pay for premium beef, and they're doing it across America. The demand for premium beef is skyrocketing. The price is starting to rise. Okay. The demand... And I'm not sure what you're, how you see this in your business, but what's the demand for maybe like a low-end cigar? I, I mean, demand really overall, end. like so during the lockdown, I mean, the demand was probably the highest we've seen in, mm-hmm. in decades, even out, uh, surpassing the boom. Now that more, I mean, now we're kind of flat, mm-hmm. maybe just a decrease um, of a few percentage points, but that we think that's because more people are going back to the office, and that's what it was during the lockdowns. People work from home, so what are they going to do? do They're going to smoke. More do at you home. see a difference in demand? But the demand for, is still up there for premium cigars versus the uh, actually no. Well, so we I'll have to generate that report, but just anecdotally, you you kind of touch on a point that we're seeing similar, like what used to be a tough sell to sell like fifty dollars cigars or hundred dollars cigars. Now it's so it's easier to sell. Exactly, that. it's crazy. Like, People are willing to pay it. Yeah. Whereas a two dollar cigar, a five dollar cigar. I know when I come in here, if I'm going to come see you and visit with you, I kind of want a nice. Mm-hmm. Cigar. Um, I don't want a five dollar cigar. Yeah, I want something really nice. And whether that's a twelve dollar cigar or an eighteen dollar cigar, that doesn't really matter. Right. But we want to visit over a really nice fine cigar. Same thing with beef industry. Mm. That's where we are in the beef industry. If you want a premium product, have a wonderful steak, wonderful ground beef, wonderful roast. Um, we cater to, to those enthusiasts, um, those people who are willing to buy half a cow. Yeah. And how much does half a cow usually yield, just to give some understanding to, to the viewers? you ask good questions. I'm a nerd. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, so a, a cow, we raise her, a steer, okay. we, a fat, we call them fat animals. They're raised to about 1,500 pounds, oh. which is about 23 months old. 20. Okay. To 23 months old. Let's say just shy of two years. They're raised to 1,500 pounds. At the end of the day, what a half will yield you in your freezer is about 260 to 270 pounds Mm -hmm. in your freezer, net packaged beef. That's what half a cow, it's a lot. Yeah. It's about 100 pounds of ground beef, 110 pounds of ground beef, and it's about another 135. 40 pounds of roasts and steaks and a variety of cuts. That was going to be my other question. Like, how do you, how do I know what kind of cuts I'm getting? Um, but you kind of have like the. Uh, so we, we've got that information okay. and, and we, 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 uh, we publish it and we'll visit with you and mm-hmm. show you and we break it down. You'll get 12 ribeyes, 12 New York strips, eight fillets, six chuck roasts, four round roasts, a flank steak, a skirt steak. 
some bavette, some Denver steaks, flat iron steaks, sirloin, and I didn't say sirloin steaks yet, yeah. brisket, ground beef. It's asabuco. Oh, I love that. Short yeah. ribs. Yeah. It's all of these crazy cuts that you have access to. A tri-tip, uh, a picanha. It's, uh, I've it, heard it, of that. What is that? What's a picanha? So a a picanha yeah. is located on top of the loin, right above the, the tail head, right where the tail head is on the cow. The hips are on the cow. It's located on top of the loin. It's a very um, sought-after, extremely flavorful cut of beef. Uh, very desirable. There's only one per side. It only weighs maybe two pounds, three pounds, something like that. It's, it's, it's a minimal size steak but you could cut it probably into three steaks and serve it okay because i think isn't that like popular in like the brazilian uh, exactly uh, restaurants Abs- like absolutely yeah. very Trotterias. popular very yeah, popular yeah. and we get a lot of requests here we're starting to feel more requests it's not a, a a cut generally you'll see in stores i've never seen one in stores it's not yeah, I don't think it's I've not a cut that. that a commercial butcher will cut okay um because it's Every time you cut a certain steak, you're giving up something else. If we cut Denver steaks out of the shoulder, uh, flat iron steaks out of the shoulder, if we cut eye of the round, no, um, chuck eye steaks, chuck eye steaks out of the front shoulder, we can cut those specialty steaks, but then we're giving up a shoulder roast, a chuck roast. It's a give and take. So sometimes it's a trade-off. A bavette. A bavette is off on the inside of the animal, just under the, the loin, just under the tenderloin. A bavette is a wonderful cut that generally goes into ground meat because people don't know much about it. It's called the butcher's cut. I learned oh, this the what? other day. I learn stuff all the time. I, it's called the butcher's cut. And because the butcher allegedly was stealing the bavette oh, no. back in the day because it was the most tender part on the cow. And he knew, Flavor, he knew, and he knew exactly it. like what part right. of it. Well, and so people yeah. never really ask for the bavette. Wow. So how does that is that more expensive, like dollar per pound, than say a fillet mignon? No, a fillet is is your top okay. is your top selling per pound steak. A ribeye is is second on top. But what's the most wise. scarce? Is it the bavette? Oh, the bavette's weight is we're just really scarce. From scarce. Right, okay. it's really scarce. Wow. I mean, I would imagine a bavette's in the sixteen to to eighteen to twenty two dollar range per pound. Okay. Whereas a a, a really good fillet may be in the twenty five to thirty dollar per pound range. Um, really good ribeyes are in the twenty five per pound range. Strips, New York strips, loin steaks are in the um, same twenty dollar per pound, eighteen dollar per pound range. Okay. So I got to tell you something. Sunday I went to a rest, uh, not a restaurant, a supermarket in New Orleans, uh-huh. and I was gonna get. We were getting steak, my friend and I, for for a group of friends, because um, we didn't have access to yours. Right, Mine was, you know, right, right. And uh, so they had it was a strip steak, I think, or New York strip, and they had the prime. They they were advertising prime, mm-hmm. and then they had the. I guess it would be the the choice is the next step. That's right, choice for the same price, fourteen ninety nine a pound. What do you think about that? Well, like, is there a truth that that could have been valid? Or well, the reason the prime was fourteen ninety nine a pound is probably it was discounted because it was the the end of its shelf yeah. life. Okay, so it can happen where you can find oh, a deal. You can get a deal, but always know when beef goes on sale in a store, it's at the end. There's a reason. There's for a reason. It. Okay, I'll say this, and I and I say it publicly. 
we don't ever have sales. Mm-hmm. Segura Farms right. doesn't really offer a sale. Oh, we're the same. Do, we're do, the same do, way. Do you ever offer yeah. a sale on yeah. Monte Cristo's twenty five percent off? No. This no. week only. No. Next week we're running a special, guys. On, on. Um, of Fuentes. We're running right. a twenty like percent special. Like Opus, Opus X. X. Yeah, we're running yeah. a special on Opus X. Yeah. No. We don't. We don't mm-hmm. have sales. Right. Anytime you buy something on sale, there's a reason for it. Yeah. And under, just, just understand it. That's mm-hmm. all you, you need to do is understand that there's a reason for it. It may not be a bad reason, but there's right. a reason. It's either a marketing gimmick to get the people to come into the store to buy other products. It's a marketing a gimmick yeah. to, to, to get to get a marketing strategy, I should say, maybe, mm-hmm. to get people to come in and buy Coca-Cola or buy other products. Mm-hmm. Lost leader, it could be something along that line. In steaks, I'll tell you what it is, it's at the end of its shelf life. Mm. And there's only so many days they can put that product on the shelf. And um, it's at the end of its shelf life. When they do that, are they usually losing money at that point? Or is it close to break no, even? It, or what? It, it'll, be, it'll be close to break even okay. on that steak. Okay. Wholesale on a, on a ribeye in America is about 16 bucks. Wholesale. Okay. On, on a, a good ribeye, rib okay. wholesale. Um, $16, $17, $18 is wholesale. Uh, so if someone's offering it for $14, yeah, he may be losing a couple of bucks on something like that. But it's now, better than just chucking it all out oh, no, and losing exactly. everything. Right. No, exactly. So it's better to lose some, a few dollars per pound, than just right. wasting right. it all. Yeah. That's right. And listen, that there's times when the beef prices may dip and a supplier may get their hands on a really large quantity of beef. Maybe it's a major food store, right? a major food chain, the it's their supply. A big retailer happens to get a ton in of, of fillets, for example. Sometimes you see fillets really inexpensive in grocery stores. Nine times out of ten, the source of those fillets are Mexican beef. Is that good or bad? It's your call. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's your call. Yeah. Generally, a fillet is not a bad product. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It's a good product because it's it's one of the most tender cuts on an animal. But the reason why it's so inexpensive, they import them from Mexico. They only harvest the fillets off those animals. The rest of those animals are harvested and go into our U.S. ground beef supply. Mm. So they harvest all the tenderloins off the Mexican beef. The imports, maybe it's Brazilian beef as well. Um, which Brazilian beef is leaner than U.S. beef. Mexican beef is leaner than U.S. beef. So they'll they'll throw those tenderloins into the U.S. supply and market them. The mass market. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Very similar to our industry. Yeah, and, see, and that's why I'm glad you're here because I feel, and look, I'm not a beef expert. That's why I, I, I love having you here today to kind of shed light on this topic. I, I just wish there was more transparency, right? And and I don't know. I don't know how to buy beef, right? So <laughs> I, I, I'd rather, I, I don't mind paying more if I know if I'm going to get quality for it, I, right? I want value. And, and I just sometimes feel like with these sales, like, man, what are they trying to like pawn off here? Or And you know, yeah, I love what you just said. You wish there was more transparency. We don't need more rules and we don't need more regulations and I don't, right. we don't need more laws, but we do need, we need the consumer to ask questions. But sometimes they don't know what questions to they ask. They don't know what to ask. Yeah. And and listen. We see it in our industry. You so. see it all the time. They don't know what to yeah. ask. Right. And then they're going to get a butcher behind the counter that doesn't really know the answer. Yeah. And yeah, you and, don't and know, he's yeah. going to answer it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. We, I see this every day. I get 10 calls a week from consumers that purchased a product last year that they weren't happy with. Now, they bought the product. 
They failed to ask the proper questions. They failed to do their due diligence. And they bought something they were unhappy with. Hmm. Um, whether it was quality, uh, tenderness-based, whether it was packaging-related, whether it was quantity. But at the end of the day, they just didn't know any better. Um, what we do, every customer that calls us, I'll spend 25 minutes on the phone with them, 30 minutes, every single nice. customer. You're educating them. Every single yeah. customer, we educate mm -hmm. them mm -hmm. 100%. We tell them everything they need to know. Yep. Come see the product. Come visit the farm. Come see the cattle. Let us show you the steaks. You don't owe me anything. Here you go. And then it's always with a 100% price back guarantee. Always. I always say you buy a side of beef from us. If you take it home, and I've misrepresented it, I haven't explained something properly. You don't like the beef? Bring it back. I'll give you money back. That's awesome. Yeah. I've been into this about four years now. Going into our fourth year. Guess how many I've had to return? None. Uh -huh. Never. Because it's always up front. You have to let them know up front what's going on and be honest with them. Yeah. I'm charging a premium price for this particular product, but this is why. Let me show you why. Right. You, and so consumers need to ask questions, just like with you when they come into the cigar shop. Ask questions, different lines of cigars. How long has this tobacco been aged? How long has this cigar been aged? What's the blend? That way they never really create. And what's nice about a cigar is you can smoke a $12 cigar and not like it. Well, you only lost 12 bucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not risking so but, much but you money. Can't, you yeah. can't buy a $2,000 or $3,000 side of beef. Yeah. You can't do that. I mean, that's a lot of money to put out on a side of beef. you got to make sure you're making a good decision. Right. Oh, and, I, and personally, I, I don't regret it. I'm going to have to order again very soon. So <laughs> we'll get a group of guys, uh, maybe get some some customers or viewers listening. We, we loaded up your freezer that yep. day. That yep. was You fun. helped out. Yeah, you, you delivered to my house and <laughs> had to get a deep freezer. It was awesome. Right. Man, that made the best. I did a lot of ragu with the ground beef. Yeah. Some of the, the best pasta. The, the ground so, beef. Yeah. Think about ground beef. When you go to the store and you want to buy some really good hamburger beef, how do you really know what that is? Yeah. Do you know what goes in to ground beef at a grocery store? I'm not going to scare the audience with a lot of people like to scare them with additives and yeah. I'm not even going to go with that. What I'm going to talk about is what was the quality of that animal when it went into the food chain? What quality was it? How long was it aged? How was it processed? Where was it raised? How was it raised? I'm not going to get into additives and drugs and that's the radiation for, that, I'm, i'll oh, let yeah. someone else argue that point i'm not going to scare people no i don't use scare tactics but what we know about our ground beef is we know it's 100 natural we know there's no added hormones we know it was raised right there on our farm in ethel we know it was grain fed for six to eight months we know it was the top one percent from from out of the top one percent angus cattle in the country we know it grades prime, and we know it was aged for 35 days hmm. and inspected by the U.S. state inspectors, proper temp, always been under the proper temp, the proper hanging, always proper controls. That way, when you get a package of our ground beef, it's the best beef in America. It's at its prime of its life, 20 months, yeah. 22 months, tender, aged, and literally you can cook our ground beef Quote, to temperature. You want a medium hamburger? You can cook that to medium and trust the fact 
Oh man, those and are trust the, the fact yeah. that it's yeah. you're not going to have an issue with spoilage or yeah, you know. Um, man, you touched on the point. Oh, can you go into like some of the the eight the dry aging process you were talking about? So okay. I guess maybe or maybe kind of backtrack. Do you mind? No, explaining listen. like all right. Let's you talk pick about dry the aging. cow. The cow's ready to be yeah. butchered, or right, or, right. The, the cow's what, what? ready to be processed. Yeah. Right, butchered's a common term. They okay. said I need to sharpen up my terminology and not <laughs> use that word. They're ready to be harvested. Right. Let's yeah, use yeah, that yeah, word, yeah, Luis. Yeah, yeah. So when the cow's ready to be harvested, we harvested the cow on day one, and then she dry ages in a cooler. And and what kind of conditions do you? So need? It, it's the the coolers. I'm going to guess here, but I think it's 38 degrees. Okay. I think the cooler's about 38 to 40 degrees. It's got to be at a certain minimum, right? 38 to 40 degrees. And it just hangs. And it just stays in that cooler 35 days. Over those 35 days, it allows the carcass to dry out. Okay. It allows the moisture to evaporate out of that carcass. It allows the fibers to start the process of um, breaking down the fiber, oh. man, it's just like the tobacco. protein, it's just like same tobacco. thing. Yeah. It goes through an, a process where it, it changes the flavor. It, the tissue essentially breaks down, and it creates it tenderness. It create it, say yeah. that word again. Refined, it creates yeah. a more refined. Product. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so it creates a special flavor and a buttery tenderness, and in contrast. In contrast, most processing places, 14 days they age it, 10 days. Oh, when it. we were, when I was young, uh, as a child, we would, my, my father would do this all the time. They'd let it hang seven days, 10 days, two weeks, somewhere in that time frame, which was okay. Most, a lot of processors want to get you in and out. Right, they want to turn days. over. Yeah. Right, they want to turn over yeah. um, for space. Mm. Um, you know, we're fortunate and, and we've got a good relationship. Uh, we use Virons uh, here locally and, and uh, Greensburg. Um, Gary and, and Gary's been so awesome to work with because he recognizes the quality mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to shortchange Sean's customers. And Sean doesn't want to shortchange his customers. I had one processor, not a local processor, they were a little bit away here, a couple hours away. But when I first started doing this, they said, we can only age your stuff 14 days. I said, why? Oh, well, we need to have turnover. What do you mean? Well, we need to generate revenue for our, our butcher shop. And I understand that. Right. They were full. That's their model. That's their yeah. model. Yeah. And I said, I, I told the, I, the young lady, I said, well, aren't you doing a, a disservice to your customer mm. by not aging it to the animal's potential? Well, yeah, maybe, but we need to make money. That's oh, fair. Yeah. That's fair. And um, she was honest, right? And then I went to another processor who would allow me to do what I do. Agent, we started aging at 21. Then I said, nope, let's go to 28. Then we said, nope, let's go to 35. And on some of them, I love to push it to 42. What's um, the oldest that you're done? About 42. About 42. Do you see a diminishing return after that? No, not at all. But but what happens when it gets to be that 42 days, you tend to have to trim off some of the exterior features of the animal because it, the animal kind of dries out. The animal starts drying, and that meat, as it ages, starts turning really dark, almost oh. black in some spots, the exterior, due to the exposure to oxygen, mm-hmm. right? Um, oxygen, oxygen. 
Beef's exposure to oxygen changes the color. Just like on these three steaks you looked at a while ago, one was red, one was a little brighter, one was a little darker. It really doesn't have too much to do with quality. Color doesn't have too much to do with quality. It's exposure to oxygen. Oh. You leave this steak sitting out all day, it's going to change colors. Okay. Exposure to the elements. Yeah. So, but that's, that's I don't know if I've answered that fully, but the, the aging thing is, is king. Aging is critical in qua- to, to determining um, the tenderness, maximizing tenderness. Aging is critical to maximizing flavor. So, yeah, I wanted to get into that because I know that there's some uh, there's a trend, I guess, in some steakhouses or even uh, home cooks where they dry age their own beef. Absolutely. And, and like, I've seen some, what, like 60 days, like 120? Like, what's the oldest that you've Listen, seen? There, there's people that go 90 days, 120 days, and it turns kind of like a blue cheese type flavor. Oh, cool. It gets pretty like, pretty yeah. tart. Um, but that's, that's major beef enthusiasts. They love playing with that stuff. They love taking a, a rib loin or a, a, a loin or ribeye and putting the whole rib roast, the whole rib rack into a, in a, a cooler and just setting it in there on trays. And they just, some of them will play with it. Some of them go six months. It's crazy. And they have contests and, and they love to to slice yeah. off their beef and share stories about it. It just, it's, it's totally different, different flavors. It's different world when you go that far out. Oh, it my. gets to be pretty strong, um, but it's pretty tangy. It's not something I particularly enjoy. Okay. I like to go about 42 days max, maybe 45 max. Once it goes beyond 45, it starts really changing the flavor. And someone told me one time at, at a really nice restaurant, it tastes a little like blue cheese. So if you can think about what blue cheese yeah. tastes like, that's kind of what an aged steak is going to start to taste like. Yeah, kind of like a nutty, like umami kind of. Yeah, there's savory something about potent. Yeah, yeah. a lot of decomp- uh, decomposition, uh-huh. mm-hmm. decomposing mm-hmm. going on, but in a good way. A lot it of breaking down in a yeah. good way. Yeah, yeah. Flavors, yeah, assembling. Yeah. Uh, let's go into pasture raised versus grain fed, grass fed. Free range. What are some of these terms? I'm, I'm confused now. I, I was led to believe that grass-fed, free range you is know, the best. I, I've got another board here whenever you're ready. Yeah. Uh, we've got another board out front, but I'm gonna, yeah. we can talk. I want to show on this other board what, what the question you just asked. Oh, okay. So I'm ready for that board whenever. But yeah. let me tell you, grass-fed, mm-hmm. range-raised, range beef versus grain, one's raised on grass. All its life, it just stays on grass. And I'm going to move this board yeah. here because he's coming in with another one. And we're going to talk just to show the audience a little bit. There we go. Right, there we go. Look. And so it's grass-fed. They're raised on all natural grasses, right? Protein, which is great. Grains, corn, soybeans, cotton. Um, oh, even cotton? Don't worry about that. Yeah, we'll I was going to yeah, wipe yeah. the Don't drip. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Cotton seed, wheat, barley, rice. All these natural grains is what we feed our cattle. That's what you call grain. There's no hormones in this. There's no steroids in this. It's just basic U.S. grains, wheat, barley, corn. 
Grain helps enhance the development of intramuscular fat. Mm. Grain allows that animal to explode and maximize its potential. This last steak over there, Luis, is a grain okay. finish. Just pick the steak up and yeah. show the camera what that steak looks like up close. Look at the marbling. Look at that. Look at the marbling in that steak. That's a grain finished steer that was allowed to maximize its potential. Now look at this one. Just a comparison, right? This is a grass fed. Yeah. Look at that one. That's grass finished. There's a definite tenderness difference. People who eat grass finished tend to like a leaner product. Mm. They seem to think it's healthier. Someone's led them to believe it's healthier. Maybe from the standpoint, there's marginally less intramuscular fat. It, it's kind of the same. But that's part of the, the grass-fed deal is people, people think it's healthier, and they want a lean product. And that's fair. That's fair. Just no going in. It won't have the tenderness. It won't have the flavor that a grain-finished animal will. Because totally, as we all know, fat is Totally flavor. different flavor profile. Yeah. Okay. Completely. And and so it's it's something that it's a wonderful product. It's wonderful for those that desire that. But don't buy grass finished and expect it to taste like a grain finished. In other words, if you're wanting a high-end steak experience, a high-end restaurant experience, um, a Ruth's Chris, oh. just a really high-end level steak, don't go buy grass-fed thinking you're going you're to get that. And they're not using grass-fed more likely than not. No right? way. It's grain. Yeah. All they need that it. inter... No. We supply uh, local restaurant supper club. Yeah. We, we supply yeah. Chef John Fulce. Okay. A White Oak Revolution in New Orleans. Okay. And what about Chef Doris? Doris Metropolitan in New Orleans? No, we, we do not. But we've talked to those guys. Okay. And, but and they know of you? They yeah. know of me. Okay. And... and I'm going to meet those guys. Okay, we cool. visit. I've visited on the phone with them. They're very interested in what we do. Yeah. Um, but we we supply whole animals to the supper club. Like Chef Carbo, Leighton Carbo carves up all the steaks, the grain finished steaks by oh, cool. hand. He carves up the whole cow. Wow. So the same thing with with Chef Fols, John Fols, and, yeah. and 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 supplies his restaurants with our product. Their customers don't desire grass finish. Their customers okay. want a really elite high-end steak yeah and that's where we come in um so one our cattle go back to the question our cattle all the mamas are raised on grass all the daddies are raised on grass the babies are raised on grass until they're a year old once the baby is about a year old 12 months to 14 months when he weighs about 900 pounds thousand pounds once he gets to be about a thousand pounds we move those cattle to strictly a grain diet Mm. grain and dry forage hey so they're raised on grass all their life they're finished on grain the last six months of their life by allowing them to finish on grain it allows the intramuscular fat to explode develop and that's where the flavor comes an animal that's harvested too early never has the opportunity to develop the intramuscular fat if it's there mm. if it's there and you harvest it too early at eight months, nine months, it'll never grade because it needs the opportunity mm -hmm. to develop. Animal needs age. It needs time yeah. 
to develop the intramuscular fat. Okay. Same thing about good wine. Same thing about good cigars. Yeah. Sometimes they need X good, amount of I mean, good years wine. What or is, months. What is a, a, a barrel? How many? Whiskey. Same thing with good bourbon. It needs time. Yeah. Cattle need time to develop. Cigars yeah. need time. Bourbon needs time. So, yeah, for people who, uh, listeners who are interested in buying your product, but they don't, you know, they can't invest in the side. They can go locally to Supper Club. Exactly. Um, there's, two place, there's two places, uh, three places you can get our product. Chef John Foles, Supper Club, or Call Me. Yeah. That's the three places. That's, that's the only place you can get it. We don't sell in local grocery stores. We don't really do the farmer's markets. Do you intend uh, to do that at some point? Is that part yeah, of business? Yeah, it would be model? nice to do maybe but you're not farmers really rushed. markets. I, you're not rushed to do it, huh? I'm just kind of, I'm limited. Mm -hmm. um, it's a passion. Right. It's fun. And uh, we're not out there to supply the world. We're out there to supply mm -hmm. a select few that really care. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, I'm not trying to feed Baton Rouge. I'm fine trying to feed those few people that really love great beef yeah. in their freezer and walking outside. And you know the honest truth about it? At the end of the day, the price for grass finished is the same price we charge for that over there. Wow. I felt I got great value when, so, when I bought I mean, mine. Yeah. The price is the same. Mm -hmm. This goes into another interesting concept, Luis. So if the price is the same for each state on the market. But we hold our cattle another five or six months, seven months, eight months, and have additional input costs of up to a thousand bucks. Why would I do that? Why would I hold an animal an extra eight months, year, have extra input, additional input cost of up to a thousand dollars per head? If I'm going to get the same price as grass-finished, why wouldn't I just sell right. grass-finished beef? Because it's more profitable to sell that. Right. Wouldn't it make sense? Yeah, it seems like you would be incentivized to just go that route, of the, right. cheap, the cheaper route. Right. Same but I guess that's what <clears throat> differentiates you. Is you're, you don't care about that. You want the passion. You're, you want the quality. It's not about money. Yeah. It's about supplying a fantastic product that I would feed my family, mm. feed my parents, Supply to my family, my brothers, mm -hmm. my sisters, mm -hmm. my good friends, you. It's not about the money. If I had sold you this type of cut on the end, a select grade cut, and it would have been not as flavorful or tender, you would have been disappointed, and you never would have come back to me. You never would have come back to me. Right. We field these calls all the time, and so we, we just want to supply that market that desires a really – tender beautiful product that wants to come back year after year yeah time after time like you hopefully we've created a positive image and you will come back at some point when you're ready oh yeah no absolutely. that's what we want to do we never want to disappoint the customer in fact i'm kind of like during this conversation i've been brainstorming we got a davidoff dinner uh later this year mm -hmm. in november mm -hmm. i'm kind of thinking man i guess i think it's called the gastronomy experience we, how we might we, have to. I have to talk to pops we, and see right. if how can we, we can do buy that? a side because we'll yeah we'll be selling tickets for we, the cigar. We uh, we field calls all the time on that type. Of, you know how oh. can you supply this? How can we? 
maybe can you donate a product to this organization, which we do a lot of, and um, maybe you can supply beef to this. And it's not always a fit, but it's fun when you can. Yeah. It's fun when you can supply a dinner um, or supply a, a meal. And even using, look, we're, we've got beautiful steaks on here, but even supplying fine ground beef, lesser mm-hmm. desired cuts. Chef John Foles is a master at utilizing the lesser desired cut on an animal and creating a wonderful dish, asabuco, short ribs, something that no one's really thought about, but creating a beautiful presentation, a beautiful deal, a beautiful dinner with what we call underutilized cuts of beef, less Mm -hmm. desired by the public because they don't know how to prepare them. That's what we focus on is not just the steaks. It's taken every cut on that animal, the round roast, the sirloin roast, the brisket, and properly cooking that and cooking it the right temperature. All beef is fantastic. You got to cook it right. What are some of your favorite ways to cook it? Oh, gosh. Um, let's talk, I guess, uh, uh, prime rib. Well, steaks are great. Give me a hamburger any day of the week, and that's my favorite. Medium on the grill. Let's talk about a brisket. I can put a a brisket on my pit for an hour or two and start it off. Throw it in my oven at 200 degrees for the rest of the day and take that brisket out, and it's awesome. Let's talk about asabuco, the shank. Put it in a pot with, with red wine and onions and tomatoes and simmer it and brown it, simmer it, throw it in the oven at 350, 300 for six hours, maybe 225 for eight hours. At the end of the day, steaks need to be grilled fast, hot and fast. Okay. Cast iron on the grill? Any any way you want. Anyway, okay. I like cast iron. Hot and fast. Yeah. Hamburgers, hot and fast. Okay. Everything else, brisket, low and slow. Round steak, low and slow. Chuck roast, low and slow. Round roast, lower and slow. Mm. Some things are cooked at 350 to 400. Some things are cooked at 200 to 250. Depends on the cut of beef. Generally speaking, when you cook beef, it's all in the way you prepare it. A flank steak on a grill, quick. Quick, okay. Get it seared. But all these other uh, round steak, rice, and gravy, I grew up on rice, uh, yeah. sirloin steak, rice, and gravy, round roast, tip roast, bottom round, top round, eye of the round, all these beautiful roasts, kind of low and slow. Um, take your time with it. Okay. You can't rush. Why every is that cut. about those cuts that you got to well, do it slow? Great question. Because it's a muscle that the cow utilizes every day. A round roast comes off the cow's hip. And yes, good questions. The muscles, the bavette, located under the loin, underneath the tenderloin, which we talked about a while ago, the bavette is a muscle the animal never uses. Mm. All it does is provide a little insulation between the rib cage and its internal organs. A little cushion is what it provides. It's never utilized, so the bavette is super tender, melts in your mouth. The round roast is used every day. It's what the cow uses to walk on. It's the muscles in the hind part of the cow. She uses those muscles every single day. The more you use a muscle, the stronger it gets. The bigger it gets, the leaner that muscle is. Same thing with humans. The, The shoulder, she uses that muscle every day to walk and to back up and to stand up and to move and to climb. Those muscle groups that are used every single day. In a cow's life, they're t- 
they're more lean, they're tougher. Okay. Um, what is the muscle? The, the tendon line is located. Is that yeah, like is that, is that like the back strap on a deer? It, exactly. Okay. Well, the, nah, the, the loin. No, the te- the back strap on a deer is is more like the uh, the rib. But the back strap on a de- the tendon loin is like a tendon loin on a deer up in the rib cage. Okay. It's inside the so rib. It doesn't cage. really get used a lot. Like it doesn't get walking used. Or, it doesn't get know. used at, at all. Okay. Some some muscles are only used to raise the tail. Hmm. If all that muscle does is raise a tail every day, not much energy. Not going much into energy. It. Yeah. So that's the difference in all the different cuts of beef. Oh. That's why. Um, some are tougher than others. And I, I love the joke with my wife. She says, this is chewy. This oh. one's more chewy. This one's tougher. I said, well, baby, if they all taste like a filet, we would only have one opportunity, one selection. Mm. It's awesome on a cow because there's probably 30 different cuts we can cut on a cow at least with different flavor profiles. Yeah. So, so given is, everything else equal, like each muscle has its own little it's, trait of like, Tenderness exactly. Or Each muscle has its own little trait. Okay. Each muscle has its own particular use. Mm. Um, it's wonderful. You buy a cow, you've got opportunity for 35 different cuts of meat. I, like, I get a lot of phone calls and people say, man, we really want to come. Don't do this, by the way. We will really want to come try your product. But boy, can you just sell me a couple of ribeyes? Mm. Or, or could you sell me a tenderloin? It's hard to screw up a tenderloin. A tenderloin is so tender. And it's so easy to cook. Yeah. And it's always good. I guess there's a lot of intimidation from people maybe not that don't have a lot of experience. They exactly. Think, oh, man, they so say, tell me a tenderloin and let me judge. A tenderloin is not the way you judge. Mm. Um, you, you judge a, a cow, an animal, on its body of work, the whole carcass, okay. not just one steak. Do you know the decision whether a cow is prime versus choice or select? The decision to grade that animal is made between the 12th and 13th rib, an inspector, now they're using computer technology for this, but an inspector Mm. makes a visual decision between the 12th and the 13th rib, how much intramuscular fat is present, and that's where the call gets made to determine what that that carcass grades. He's not looking at the shoulder. He's not looking at the rump. He's not looking at the the loin. He's not looking at the center loin. He's only looking at the rib. One part of the cow makes the call, and only on one side. Does he look? So what does that say? He's making the call based on one part of the cow. There's there's all kind of variety in that cow. And the good thing, though, is that when he makes a call of prime, the rest of the cow, generally speaking, is going to be that grade. Is that valid sometimes? Uh, it, it is. It's valid all the time. Oh, okay, okay. It's valid all the time. Okay. So, so if it's prime in, in even that little little section, you can assume the rest is. That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay. So, huh. Uh, can you explain to me like Kobe and Wagyu? Is, sure. Is that all prime? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, Kobe is a is a region of Japan. Uh, Kobe beef. Okay. It's a region of Japan that Kobe is a region. So Kobe is kind of a descriptive term for Kobe beef. Well, that means it's it's Wagyu born in a specific region of okay. Japan. Wagyu beef based in Japan. Japanese oh. wagyu, Japanese Kobe, Jack, uh, I mean Japanese Akaushi. That's four breeds in Japan. Oh. Those are really highly, highly marbled cattle. They're very rare. Um, intramuscular fat on something like that is could be up to fifty percent mm. fat. And to and give a comparison, what is what is yours? Twelve percent. Okay, there's just fifty. Twelve. There's just fifty. 
look at when you look at it on. Yeah, on, it's mostly white. It's mostly white. Yeah. That's fat. Okay. That's why you can only eat a little bit. You can only eat a couple of pieces. Oh. You don't eat a whole Kobe steak. I didn't you don't know eat. That. Oh. It'll fill you up. Well, number one, it would cost a fortune. Yeah. I mean, like how much? Like, let's say you you have some Kobe of this size. What would that cost here? Okay, Kobe. So that's uh, that's probably a pound. That that's about know. a seventy five dollar U.S. steak. That's probably four hundred bucks. What? Easy. For Kobe, it's yeah. the same size. Easy. Four hundred bucks. Kobe is about forty bucks an ounce. They don't even do it by the pound. It's by, it's the, by ounce. the ounce. Holy cow! Kobe retails about forty bucks an ounce. Do the math. Wow. Ten ounce steaks, four hundred bucks. Hmm. That's a thirty-two ounce steak. A tw- no, no, twenty-two ounce steak. Okay. I'm not saying it's eight hundred if it was Kobe, but that's what we're talking about. So that's designation... a huge difference in price. Okay. Because it's rare, because it's imported from Japan. It's kind of like eating caviar, if you will. Okay. Caviar is very rare. You only eat a little bit of it. Kobe mm-hmm. beef, the same thing. Wagyu beef, rare. You only eat a little bit of it. Now, in America, there's Wagyu beef in America that's produced in America. It's Japanese genetics that are bred with American cattle. Um, they're more marbled. They, they produce a high marbling product. If it's American uh, Wagyu, different suppliers have different quality grades, um, different environment. Different environments. Yeah. It's different. It's different uh, mixtures of the cattle. Some people mm. will breed a Wagyu bull to a, an Angus cow. Mm. That's going to produce something different. If you breed it to a Brahma cow, that's going to produce something different. If you breed it to a Hereford cow, that's going to produce a different product. Depends on the genetics. It depends on how it was bred. Just because it says Wagyu doesn't mean it's all the same. Oh. Generally, though, it means it's it's going to be good quality. Right. And it, it's a good quality. But there's room for like. Mismarketing or fraud, or not maybe deception. No, no, absolutely. So, like the Kobe is like kind of like champagne versus sparkling wine, right? right? Not every sparkling wine is a champagne. You know, the high end Kobe is like an A five rating, and and the the the, the Japanese give it a they rate it like A five, and there's different ratings for that. Okay, they come certified, but a customer should always ask those questions when you're buying Wagyu. If it's American Wagyu, ask a lot of questions. Um, We raise American Angus. We, we don't raise Wagyu because we don't want to confuse the customer. Mm, gotcha. We raise Angus. We promote Angus. That's what we raise. Gotcha. Wagyu is an animal that takes longer to develop. They're slower in developing. An Angus steer will develop to 1,500 pounds at about 20, 22 months, 24 months in that ballpark. A Wagyu steer to get to 1,500 pounds may take 36 months. Oh. Another year. Long Longer to mature. And so I go with a quicker maturing, a two-year situation mm-hmm. versus a three-year situation. What are the major uh, – I think you've touched on this, but, well, first of all, how many breeds of cattle are there, I guess, in the world? <laughs> hundreds? Thousands? Uh, I guess probably hundreds. Okay. You know, I, I mean, I guess a hundred. I, I really yeah. don't know. 60, 60 breeds, yeah. 80 breeds. It's a good question. And then there are, like, different they're, hybrids, I guess, oh, that get absolutely. developed over time. There's a bunch of different yeah. breeds. It's like tobacco. It, I mean, we literally have Different regions of, yeah. of the world produced Belgian blues, hmm. Belgian cattle. They were raised in Belgium back in the day for a reason, for a purpose. The mm. Brahma animal, the Brahma cow. She was originally comes from, um, well, Indonesia, I Indonesia, oh, I India. Indonesia, okay. India, okay. Um, Australia. She thrives mm. in Australia. She thrives in South America. Why? Mm. She's tough. She needs to be in that climate. I see. They're different breeds of cattle, 
because God created this as part of his master plan. Not every cow can survive in every environment. I see. And so it's important. If you're in North Dakota and you have a ranch in North Dakota, you don't want to try and bring a Brahma cow to North Dakota because she hates the cold. She'll die. Just like an Angus cow. It can be challenging for people south of I-10, south of Louisiana, to raise Angus cattle because they tend to be more of a cold-natured animal. An Angus cow requires a lot of shade, a lot of fresh water. So it can be challenges bringing different breeds into different parts of the world or even different states in the United States. So all these breeds are important. The dairy breed, a a Jersey, a Holstein, they're very important for milk. Producing butter, but you don't necessarily see them in the in the state. Not you, you don't see right. Uh, not in the beef supply. Category. Not okay. generally. Right. They do go into the beef supply uh, as as probably hamburger beef at some point. So they every all of them are part of the beef supply, um, but it just depends on what region of, of the country you're in. If you're in Pennsylvania, where it's heavy milk, and uh, Florida, a lot of dairies in Florida. There's a lot of where there are a lot of dairies. There are a lot of dairy cattle in the beef supply. That you don't really know about. Okay. Yeah. Well, man, when a cow, good. when a dairy cow, uh, let's say she milks for five years, well, after she goes through her, her life okay. expectancy, maybe twelve, mm. but let's say she's only in milk production for five, and then she runs out of milk. What happens to that cow? She goes into the beef supply, beef supply. the food chain. Yeah. Yeah. This is just so enlightening. I mean, there's just so much, and it just reminds me of what we have to deal with in the cigar shop world. Trying to like, I've always felt being too verbal or, or too descriptive with uh, our industry to the consumer because I felt a more educated consumer is a better consumer, right? And and when they come back with complaints about, oh, my cigar was didn't smoke right. Well, right. first I got to determine was that user error, right? Um, or maybe you just weren't you, you didn't buy the right cigar for you. Um, so do so you very error similar. more? Do you error more on the explaining side? Oh yeah, absolutely. The- like, I mean, that's probably our fault. Is that or if our weakness is that we maybe spend too much time on the consumer, but I feel for the long term, it helps the industry, it helps you, our, our business. So it, it's you, you explaining and I, this. Is, I, I'm you know. learning more about you, even though I've known you for this long, but we think it's very similar. We're yeah. similar. Mm-hmm. It's all about educating the consumer. I'm mm-hmm. a little technical. So if you listen yeah, to this whole that. interview, yeah. I'm a little technical. Yeah. And I've got really good friends that tell me, Sean, all you really need to say is your, your cattle are happy, they live a good <laughs> life. You go out there and you talk to them every day, which I do, mm-hmm. and they do live a good life, yeah. and they live a beautiful life. We've got beautiful pastures where we are. Yeah, I've seen pictures. Um, it looks they, it looks gorgeous. It's, it's gorgeous. Yeah. You know, check us out at SeguerraFarms okay. or Facebook. Okay. Segura Farms, Sean Segura on Facebook or, your Instagram? or Instagram. Yeah, I love Instagram. Your Instagram. Yeah. And you can just see the cattle and see what I'm talking about. But people tell me you need to talk about how great their life is, and people want to hear that, and it's true. But I bet you your audience today, I love getting technical. Yeah. I love talking about what makes things different. There's a reason it's different. There's a reason things go on sale. There's a reason for everything on these platters. And I love talking about those reasons and educating the consumer. Yeah. Because if he really wants lean and he really is desiring grass finished, boom, there's animals for him out there. If you really want something marbled, aged, boom, there's yeah. animals. Out there. If he wants the middle grade choice. The middle line, there's there's product out there. Yeah. It's just educating the consumer what they prefer. That way we never create a false expectation or a bad experience. Mm-hmm. Explain every cigar to them. 
up front, you know up what front, it is. Yeah. They know the blend. They know how long it's been aged. I would hate it if I came in here and you sold me a $30 cigar that was limited production and was only aged 18 months. Mm-hmm. I would hate it. It's just not ready for that. Right. I don't care. It's just, it wasn't ready. Yeah. Right? And it, you need to represent things accurately. That way, if you say, hey, Sean, here's a $30 cigar, but listen, it was only aged 18 months. You know, it was, or maybe a year, whatever the number is. I wouldn't buy it because I know what right. I like. I like tobacco that's aged, that's had time to mellow, that's had time to blend, that's had time to mature. Yeah. That's what I like. And most of our customers, <laughs> when they buy a cigar, they're ready to smoke it right away. Yep. It's very yep. few that will buy and hold Absolutely. and age themselves. That's right. But the best manufacturers usually have done the aging for you. Yep. So that when they ship to market, it's What's, on the shelf. How long is a, a good fine cigar? Uh, a, a good like a shelf life? Uh, no, I'm talking before it even hits the shelf. From the time that the tobacco is harvested mm-hmm. to the time it smokes. Yeah, seed, a good to, cigar. seed to smoke. On well, average, let's, it's let's about three to about, four years. It's about three to four years. Three to four years. But you pay the premiums, or you should pay, the consumer should pay the premium for those that are aged longer. So, like, for example, the Padron 1964, on average, the tobacco is three to four years. Right. The 26 series is four to five years. So then you see a little right. bump in price. Right. Their family reserve is aged 10 years, and that's why you pay the 30 to $40 That's price what range. I'm talking about. Right. That's but what I'm consumer, talking about. As a consumer, you know that, oh, that's, that's why it's priced differently. I'm not just getting... Right. Sold, you know, nothing. Yeah. No. Right. Ten years aging. That's yeah. kind of fun. That's a lot. And that's a lot of time, right? So that's they, a lot they of have time. To, the manufacturer has to recoup that time and, and, and stock. Think about and bourbon. Yeah. Think about bourbon. Yeah. That's 12 years in a barrel. 15 yeah. years in a barrel. Mm-hmm. That's expensive. Versus that's bourbon, that's yeah. three years in a barrel, four years in a barrel. If you got to go seven years, eight years, 12 years on bourbon, it gets expensive. Yeah. Because it, that barrel's decreasing every year right and they may only get so many bottles that's right and it takes up warehouse space for 12 years mm-hmm. a lot of the capital tied up right you know in inventory so that's the same thing and, and that's why i'm like i'm very intrigued with your side of this business is that wow it's, it's very it's, it's the same well, yeah. we hope uh, we really want to educate everybody and and i feel it's a mission to educate the consumer on beef beef's mm-hmm. a great product we never want to create a bad expectation or a bad experience Education is key. Ask lots of questions is what we encourage people to do. Go visit. Go look at the product. Try it. Yeah. Try a sample of this or that. And that way you can learn the differences between prime beef. Learn the differences between choice. Maybe use your local grocer to go out and buy a prime steak. Buy a select steak. Use local markets to kind of figure out where your taste is. Mm -hmm. And then when you're ready for that big purchase decision, when you're ready to fill up a freezer with product, You've tasted a variety of products, yep. and you're ready to make a good decision. That's what we tell our customers. Like, try the inexpensive, the, the $2, yeah. $3 cigars, the 5 10 20 And so you can build this yeah. inventory, like uh, this yep. memory bank, I tell yep. them. Yeah. And and it may be that you really desire a $5 cigar. That's your mm-hmm. go-to cigar. Perfect. Yeah. Same thing with beef. It may be that you really desire a select-grade beef. Yeah. Beautiful. You've done your homework. Now you're ready to go make a good decision. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you, Sarah. Well, look, uh, we're going to wrap it up soon, but I know you hadn't been smoking a lot because you're talking, so I yeah, get it. Yeah, I told, our, our I told, previous guest, I told Luis, he, I said, yeah. I, it's hard for me to talk and smoke at the yeah, same time. It goes out. Yeah. I love a cigar, right? It goes out, and it's hard to keep puffing on it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Well, what, what did you think of it when you did 
taste some of the this, notes. This is good. Have you had the Monte Cristo? You're still so you're smoking yes, the Monte I've Cristo Nicaragua. Yeah. This yeah. this Nicaragua is really good. Beautiful wrapper on it. Nice yeah. brown, oily looking wrapper. Yeah. Very. It's, it's made in Nicaragua good. by AJ Fernandez. So AJ's one of these like sought after manufacturers now right, in Nicaragua, right. uh, known for like full full bodied but very smooth, very flavorful. Think of like a very smooth like. Not a lot of tannic, big cash. How long is this cigar aged? I don't know that. Walmart. I don't know that. I don't know the the, the, the age of the tobacco. Mm-hmm. See, in a lot of, I mean, I'm sure they have the information out there, but some manufacturers don't even put it out either because yep. maybe yep. for trade secrets. Yep. But number two, I think a lot of it is just they don't think that's important for the consumer. Right. You know, but uh, we can find that out. And well, the other thing too is they may be blending a three year tobacco with a five year tobacco. Yeah. And you see that a lot. And, yeah. and blending uh, the wrapper may be. Mm-hmm. Two-year tobacco and, and the leaf, or the binder, maybe two-year tobacco, and the leaf mm-hmm. maybe, who knows? Yeah. But um, I usually tell people, look, we can try to give you the information, but in the end, you just got to taste it. You have to let your sense of, uh, of of smell and taste tell you what you like. Right. Right? Try I might not like that cigar, right? But you do. You might. I love it. Yeah. This so is it's just a trial and error. Yeah. But uh, no, we're going to close it up. But before we do, uh, we have this final segment called The Final Puff. So Uh-oh. it's kind of like a lightning round. Okay. Keep it fun. So, All right. Uh, we're going to go. Let's go. So number one, Tabasco or Crystal? Tabasco. Number two, favorite vacation or travel destination? Yellowstone. Ooh, nice, nice. Number three, the ideal person you would want to smoke a cigar with, dead or alive? Willie Nelson. Oh, Nice. You're a big Willie Nelson fan, huh? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I wonder if he smokes cigars. Oh. Uh, I, mean, I know he, I mean, he enjoys pro- a, a pro- combustible of some right, sort. But, right, yeah. right. I think he's had to slow all that down with his health lately. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never known him to. Yeah. Um, That'd be cool, though. He wouldn't surprise. I, I he would seems love like a very cool guy. Down to earth, and yeah. I would love to sit with Willie and have a good cigar. Yeah, little steak and cigar. Absolutely. And uh, the final one, what is your desert island cigar? If you if you were stranded on a desert island, you only had one cigar to smoke, or manufacturer or brand. Monte Cristo. Yeah, Monte Cristo is is my ultimate brand, and and just about anything. I I find Monte Cristo, they blend it well, mm-hmm. high quality rollers. Um, it's, it's it rarely is it a bad roll, and that tends to be my number one go to. I've been all over the board on. I've tried them all. Mm-hmm. All over the board, but it, every day it's a Monte Cristo of some sort. Yeah. Well, thank you uh, to our professor of protein. <laughs> we appreciate you stopping in, Louise. This has been fun. Yeah. Thank, yeah. thanks to you and and uh, look, you guys do a fantastic job in Baton Rouge, and we love coming in here and visiting with you and seeing you, and honored to be asked to to come. Yeah. And sit with you and and visit with you. This is been fun yeah we'll have to come out to the to, to your operation huh. and check it out and Listen, place another we'll order do, very we'll soon do, see, we'll do another session for sure down the road awesome all thank right you. sean we'll take care appreciate thank it you thank you sir bye-bye thank you for tuning in today we hope you found today's conversation insightful and entertaining if you enjoyed this episode and want to discover more episodes check us out at thelifepro.com or any other major streaming platform if you're interested about the cigars we smoked You can visit us at shop.habanaport.com. Until the next cigar, thank you.